You're listening to a sermon from Ketchikan Church of the Nazarene. For more sermons or information about our church, please visit ktnnaz.org or like Ketchikan Naz on Facebook. Lord, um, we're grateful to be called your people. Um, we are product of missionary work. Whether or not we um, actually had a missionary come speak to us, knock on our door, stop us on the street, Lord, we recognize that every single believer is a missionary for Christ. It's not just a job description for certain people, and the rest of us get to say, we don't have to do that because someone else gets to. We recognize that we follow the life of Christ, and Christ was the ultimate missionary, and therefore we are all called to be missionaries. I'm thankful that you've enabled us to serve you in such a way that you've called us to partner with you. Lord, today, as we put our commitments before you, uh, we know that they're not ironclad, but we put them before you in faith and hope. Um, and, and boldness and obedience to say, we want to serve you. We want to go above and beyond where we normally would give in our tithe to serve more um, than we thought we could. Lord, we ask as the offering comes in, would you just bless it? Multiply it to the glory of your name and the advancement of your kingdom here in Ketchikan and beyond. And we say, we're looking forward to seeing what you're going to do, God. We just can't wait to partner with you. We love you. We thank you for all the good blessings that you've given us. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, the baptism of Jesus. If you guys ordered a book at any point in time during your existence in this world, they are up at the front. You may come and get one now uh, and uh, take your notes accordingly. We are on page, I wrote over my page number, the Jesus is baptized page, 14. I've taken so many notes in mine that I can't read the page number anymore, so please forgive me. On that, we are on page 14. Um, Okay, so confession first. Okay, I'm sorry. To the best of my knowledge, I weeded out the typos in this book. I had it before four proofreaders, um, and I thought that I nailed all of the errors, and I found one when I was preparing this message. So if you would open to page 14, and in the gray box that says community groups go deeper, where it says read Acts 8, 26 to 28 out loud, it should read, Acts 26 through 38. Uh, so, there we go. It's my error for the week. Um, the only error I'll make um, this week. I'm glad we can all laugh at that. We all know that's not true. Okay. <clears throat> Today we're looking at what's the deal with baptism. Um, and before we dive into the passage... Um, uh, I want to just share a little story with you, and it'll make sense hopefully later on down the road. Um, when I was in college, um, I was a freshman at University of Montana, and I'd come to know the Lord slightly before college, and then I went off to a state university and really had nothing to do with the Lord while I was there. Um, I didn't go off the deep end. I didn't do anything terribly horrible, but I wasn't walking with the Lord the way I should have. <clears throat> but there's one memory that sticks out for me among all of the things that you can remember from college. This one haunts me. I mean, it's a, it's a regret that I have. Um, you ever have those moments in life where you, you get through the moment and then afterwards you mature a little bit and you go, ah, I regret my action or my inaction there. Um, I was walking home late one night and, and the campus was large and it had this big open courtyardy thing, I mean, in the middle with, you know, concrete uh, patio uh, area to sit and big concrete benches and there was a skateboarder um, who was skateboarding, um, I could see him from a long ways off. He was going up ramps and landing these tricks that I could only dream of landing. And um, 
so forth and so on. And so he, um, he was taking jumps, and they were very cool, and I was walking through the courtyard to get to my dorm, so I had to pass him. And as I was about from me to Dennis, um, in distance between me and this guy, um, he went up a ramp, and he, I don't know how he did wrong in the air, but he did something wrong in the air, and he landed on his head um, on the concrete. Um, and I thought, well, he's going to get back up. He's a skateboarder. He's tough. And he didn't get back up right away. Um, and I, I panicked because I'm looking around going, there's no one else here. I'm it. I need to do something, and I'm not, I'm not, I don't know how to handle this. Um, so I walked over, um, and I got a close look at him, and he had a mohawk and lots of tattoos and piercings, and he looked very alternative, and it kind of scared me. Um, I, you know, I, it did at the time, because I didn't know if he had some sort of illness. I didn't know what was going on, but he was just laying there, not moving, completely unconscious. Um, so I called 911, which was the right thing to do in the moment, um, but he started to twitch a little bit, and he was having a seizure. And I, I knew in my heart of hearts that I should probably check his pulse. I should probably maybe see if he's breathing. I should probably be a little more hands-on with this guy. Um, and I chose not to. I chose to wait till the ambulance got there and wait for them to take care of that. I stood a few feet away and just waited. And, and I never fully got involved in the situation. I took little steps kind of around the outside. But I never fully got <clears throat> involved in the situation that this guy was in. And I don't know if he was unconscious the whole time or if he was partly conscious, um, knowing that there was someone there near him and someone that wasn't really doing anything to help him um, in the moment, not even just making him comfortable. I did pretty much nothing but call 911. And to this day, my lack of action um, has this regret in me. I, he, he was okay. You know, the end of the story is that the ambulance came and he had a concussion and he knocked himself fair enough that he had a seizure, but he was okay. Um, but I, I regret my inaction. I regret my not wading into that situation further and saying, come on, may for me, this man needs my help. I regret not going further. And there's been a few other times in my life where I've had situations that I regret not wading in. And there's something quite powerful about having someone enter into your life when it's at its worst or when you're struggling or when you're most vulnerable. When someone comes alongside of you during those times in your life and says, hey, I get it. I've been there. Or maybe, you know, I haven't been there, but I'll walk with you while you're there. I'll gladly go with you on this journey. Let me help you. Let me share this with you. Let me take some of your burdens so that this journey can be lighter for you. Maybe even someone who says, I'll take, like I didn't, I'll take the personal risk to be near you during this time so that I can show that I care more for you than I care for me. And all of that says this to someone, you matter, you're valuable, you're worth it, I love you. And that's a totally different experience in life than when no one enters to help you during your time of need. When you walk alone and you don't know if anyone else in the entire world is experiencing what you are experiencing at this moment. And you feel isolated and scared. Wondering if your suffering um, has a point. How you will endure it alone. The lack of other people's involvement in your life makes you question your worth, your value, even if you're loved. The truth is, we all really want someone to identify with us. We all want someone to share life with. 
we all want someone to say, we belong. You have a place. There is a group and a people to which you can hang out with and feel loved by. You are loved. You are valuable. And you are worth risk, even when you're at your lowest. That's really important to hear in this story that we're going to read in Scripture today of the baptism of Jesus is this story that someone would enter into our life and say, you're worth it, you're valuable, I want to do this life with you. And that's what Jesus was saying with his baptism. We'll explore that in just a moment. But if you would stand with me, um, we're going to read from Matthew chapter 3. We're going to pick up in verse 13. We're going to read through 17, just four verses this morning. The baptism of Jesus. Then Jesus came from Galilee to Jordan to John, to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. Why do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, and with him I am well pleased. And this is the word of the Lord. You all may be seated. Excuse me as I drink tea this morning. All right, so as I was preparing this message, I thought this is an easy one. This is the baptism of Jesus. It's four verses. You really can't go wrong here because... Jesus was baptized, sermon over, go in peace, and how do you go from there? What's the point of this passage? Why is it so important that we know that Jesus was baptized? And so I started digging around in the scripture. I started digging around in some commentaries. And um, there's this concept of, um, just like the story that I shared with you earlier, where I chose not to get involved in someone's life. This is the story where Jesus says, I choose to be involved. In the life of the world. And he demonstrated that through baptism. Um, The baptism of Jesus is the precise point. I've just got a few slides for you if you're following along. This is the stuff about Jesus' baptism. We'll hit on some of these points. Um, The baptism of Jesus is the precise point in his life when um, he states with his actions, I'm ready to start ministry. He had been living with his family, been doing the, um, the Jewish thing, been raised, and now he was ready. So he said this with his actions. I choose to identify with people. In fact, I choose the people, not just specific people. I choose the people to identify with. I choose to relate to them no matter what it's going to cost me. I choose to obey God, what Jesus says. I choose to enter into the lives of the people around me, not just live near them, not just have a house on the same street as them, but to live among them, become part of their life, build fabric of relationship with them. I choose to do that, is what Jesus said. You know, the meaning of the incarnation, we celebrate at Christmas, right? That Jesus was incarnate. He was in, right, in, okay, carne, flesh, meat, okay? Jesus was in the flesh, and we celebrate that at Christmas time, that God became man, wrapped himself in flesh to relate to us so that we could relate to him, so that we could understand him a little better. And I used to think the incarnation ended there. Jesus was already in the flesh. 
he was already incarnate. How much further could you go with this idea of being wrapped in flesh? And then we get to the baptism of Jesus. The meaning of the incarnation, the coming of Christ wrapped in flesh, um, is important in the baptism. And we attribute it to his birth um, when God took on flesh. But the incarnation goes further than that moment in time. He didn't just become a man so that he could people watch. Okay, He didn't just become a man so that he could sit at the local Hebrews coffee shop. And that was a joke, by the way, Hebrews is coffee. Okay. Um, so that he could sit somewhere and watch people go by and go, I came for you and you, but I'm not going to get involved. Bless you as you go by. Um, he didn't come to live a life like that. He didn't come to stand aloof and observe humanity as a distant deity, not involved in the lives of his creation, his children. He didn't avoid sinners or the sick or the children, the elderly, the addict, the broken family. But he became man so that he could dwell, so that he could build community, um, so that he could relate and enter into life with them. And when he'd reached this point in his life, when he was called to full-time ministry, when he was ready to enter into it, his baptism was the moment he demonstrated his willingness. When he wanted to be reckoned amongst the sinners as if he were one of them. And this is where the incarnation starts to hit home again. He wants to be in the flesh. And the flesh we know is sin. Um, and when Jesus was baptized, he was already in human form. But when he stepped into those waters, he was saying, not only have I taken on human form, but I'm sinless. Jesus is sinless. But I want to enter into the waters of baptism that all of the sinners are entering into because I want to partake what they are shedding. I want what they are releasing. I want upon me. I will take what they are getting rid of. I want to be the sin flesh to them. Does that make sense to you guys? He entered into something for us. He entered into the world. He's entering into those waters. See, John preached a baptism for the forgiveness of sins. He said, repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Then people came and repented and were washed in that water. And then Jesus stepped into those sin waters, okay, um, by his own free will and chose to say, people are coming here to repent of their sin, and I see that. And I come here to receive their sin. I come in here to start the journey by which I will atone for the sins of mankind. So while people were walking into the water and being washed clean in repentance, Jesus walked into the water and like a magnet said, I'm going to take all of this. Everything that you guys have repented of, I am entering into the water. I'm entering into your life. I'm not aloof like the Pharisees and the Sadducees on the edge of the water who are brood of vipers, but I am someone who is willing to get down into the water and let the dirt in between my feet and the sediment on my only cloak I want to wear it so that you know I relate to you. I want to be where you've been. I want to do the things that you are doing. I want to live life with you. I want to do this journey with you. I want to claim your sins as my own. I want to live life for you, with you, and then die for you. And this is the moment when Jesus began that ministry. <clears throat> he was publicly demonstrating the fact that God himself was willing to unite in a very real way with sinful people. That he didn't place himself on a pedestal and watch sinners enter the water, like the Pharisees and the Sadducees. But he himself literally plunged into the waters. 
saying, this is good. And then when John said, whoa, man, you're the Lord, and you should baptize me because I'm just John, and you're Jesus. And Jesus said in Scripture, this, is, um, this is, should be so. It's fitting to fulfill all righteousness. And that did two things. One, in, in the presence of all who heard, Jesus confirmed John's ministry and said, guys, I mean, he didn't publicly turn around to the people and say, guys, what John is doing is good. But when he said, baptize me, he was saying, what this man is doing is good. What this is, what this is going on in your life and the people that will get baptized after me, this is good. Keep doing this. Keep the baptism for the forgiveness of sins. This is excellent. But he's also saying, John, um, I know that I'm, I'm sinless. I'm the Lord. But I need you to baptize me because I want to do what my people are doing. I want to set up a system by which they understand that I am here for them in the middle of everything. And I want to be incarnated in this moment as well. It's very important, this baptism. He's not asking for the forgiveness of his sins. But he is now being obedient to God, beginning his ministry, so that he can go and atone for the sins of the world. He was saying, I will not just plunge myself into the water here today. But I will daily plunge my life into your life. The moral conflict, the joys, the pains, the sorrows, the struggles, the sins. I want to enter into it all. I want to redeem it all. I want to wear it all upon me for all time. See, Jesus didn't have to be baptized sinless, right? But as the servant of God, he chose to do so. And this act of obedience to God... Christ surrendered his own safety, his own well-being, his own life to willingly do the Father's will. It talks about this in the book of Isaiah. Um, There's this concept in the book of Matthew about the servant of God. You'll see Jesus referred to as the servant of God. And this is where this term first gets used. Jesus is the servant of God, willing to be baptized for the people. And it's uh, kind of a direct quote. Um, and a little bit of a paraphrase from Isaiah 42, 1 through 9. <clears throat> Behold my servant, who I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I put my spirit on him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break. A faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. Thus says God, the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and the spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and I will keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeons, from the prison who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name. I give my glory to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and a new thing I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. That's in Isaiah, written in the Old Testament. And this is a passage that is attributed as a prophecy to the baptism of Jesus where God is doing something new and this is the moment that it breaks forth. This is the moment that God parts the waters and Jesus walks into them and does something new, begins his ministry. The kingdom is at hand in Jesus. 
The time was right for the rescue of the world, for something to be done about sin. And Jesus said in his actions as he entered the water and went under and came back up, I'm willing to go down into death and back up into life for you. I'm willing to endure death for all of the sins of all of the people for all time so that you can have eternal life. And so as he came out of the water, the scriptures tell us that the voice of God was heard by the people and that the Holy Spirit was seen descending on Jesus in the form of a dove by the people. And then God spoke the words from Isaiah 42 that I just read and confirmed Jesus' deity and his humanity. This is my son, and I'm well pleased with him. This act of obedience which he has done pleases me, God says. So listen to him, God says. His obedience in baptism and all other areas please God fully. And to all who were on the banks of the river that day, this moment would confirm this is the Messiah, the one that God has sent to rescue us. He's the one that was prophesied about. He is the one that will go above and beyond what anyone else ever would do or could do so that by any means, a sinner who's separated from God by sin can be reunited with God, restored by God, washed clean by God, redeemed by God, and made whole once again. See, Jesus is the ultimate missionary. He's the example by which we as missionaries lead missional Christian lives. He is the ultimate example of what it means to live a life full of love and service and sacrifice for others. He was baptized with you so that he could identify with you, so that you could identify with him. He rose from the water with a commissioning from God in heaven. It was a commission that said, this is my son, obey him and listen to him because now the new kingdom begins. Now something is starting. Now participate in what he is going to show you. What he began at baptism in choosing to identify with sinful humanity, he made complete on the cross. The incarnation in his ministry began at the birth and is demonstrated faithfully time and time again through his life. The baptism of Jesus is one of those moments where the incarnation is made a little more real. It's not just that he was a guy, but it's that he was a guy that was willing to be obedient. And this was the moment he chose obedience. So the baptism of Jesus is about God saying, I will enter into this. It's not just that I died on the cross for your sins, but I'm going to live my whole life in such a way that will lead you closer to me. I'm going to live my whole life in such a way that you are changed because of it. I'm going to live my whole life in such a way that you're going to be healed from things and restored. And now if you fast forward down to our day and age, we baptize people, right? It's one of the things that we do as a church. We had some baptisms here a couple months ago, and it was exciting as we put people in the water and dunked them under and brought them back up. But it's more than just getting wet. Baptism is more than just a party and a celebration. Baptism says something about your life. Baptism is the outward sign of the inward change, okay? Believers are baptized today as an outward sign of an inward change. The inward change being that you have put your faith in Jesus. You say, I see that you identify with me, and I want, I want to know you more. I want this identification. I want to walk with you, God. I want... You come live in my heart and change my life. 
So the inward change is that of salvation and regeneration, being made new in Christ. Um, meaning that you have faith in Jesus and you believe he came to identify with you. You believe that he was born as a man, not well, as a baby, but he grew to be a man. You believe that that man, that God, entered into the waters and took the first baptism, saying, I will live this way for you. I will enter into your life. And you believe that he died on the cross for your sins and then rose again on the third day to fulfill scripture and wipe out sin for all humanity for all time. And so if you believe that, you demonstrate it publicly. Scripture says the only prerequisite for baptism is faith in Jesus. So you don't have to take a class. You don't have to be a mature Christian. You can believe in Jesus and get baptized instantaneously. There's precedent in Scripture for that in the book of Acts, several other places, and it's beautiful. You love Jesus, you get wet. That's kind of how it works. So you demonstrate it publicly. You say, Jesus is my king. And I will follow him. Like when Jesus entered the water and said, the Lord is my God and I will be obedient even to the point of death on the cross. We say, Jesus is my king and I will be obedient even if it means sacrifice, even if it means going to a new nation, even if it means getting out of my comfort zone. I want to live life with people like Jesus lived life for me. And so you enter into the water and you're dipped under the water to symbolize the death of Christ and also your old life, your life in sin. It goes under the water. And when you come up out of the water soaking wet, you are risen to new life in Christ is how we look at it. Death to your old life and resurrected to walk a new life with Christ. It symbolizes his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And by doing so, you publicly state, I accept his death on behalf of my sins. And I accept the free gift of eternal life he gives me. And now I will walk with him daily to the best of my ability by the help of God's Holy Spirit. Today, believers are baptized in faith. And the only requirement is that you have faith in Jesus. You do not have to have your life together. You do not have to be free from sin. You do not have to have all the answers. You do not have to have memorized any scripture. You do not have to, there's no checklist by which you must earn baptism. Simply, do you love Jesus? Do you want to follow him? If the answer is yes, then baptism is the next step. We are baptized because Jesus did it. We want to do what Jesus did. Therefore, we follow in his footsteps. Because also, Jesus tells us to do it in Matthew 28, which we'll get to in like 70 or 80 weeks. Um, Jesus tells us to do it. Go and make disciples and baptize them. By doing so, we identify ourselves with Jesus. I claim him publicly. I want everyone to know he's who I love and follow. We claim him and his life in the place of ours. We claim his perfection in the place of our sin. We claim his death and we get life. Baptism is always public, right? Baptism is public because Jesus chose to publicly identify himself with us, the sinners. And so we choose to publicly identify with him and say he's a good king and we love him. We identify with him and we have nothing to be ashamed of. It encourages other believers when they see the testimony of your life. When we do baptisms, we like to share a little bit about the person getting baptized. 
as appropriate, depending on stories. We share little uh, parts about the testimony because it encourages believers. It encourages the people that are hearing, man, I remember the time I got baptized. I remember the time the Lord saved me, and it's good for the soul to hear these stories. It also serves as a testimony to those who have not been baptized. If you're a believer and you've not been baptized and you see a believer get baptized, and you're like, well, that doesn't look as bad as I thought it was going to be. And that was pretty exciting. Maybe I want to do that. Maybe I do need to be obedient. Maybe I have been encouraged by another brother or sister. This baptism does that for us as well. And it also serves as a testimony to those who have not yet put their faith in Christ. Because every time we do a baptism, we share the gospel. Every time we baptize someone, this is death to your old life and resurrected to live a new life with Christ. And we talk about the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus and why that is such a good thing for us to have. Jesus spent his entire life identifying with humanity. Everything he did was to wade into the waters of our life, all the mess and all the joy. He experienced every joy and sorrow and hurt, all the fun, the family, the stubbed toes, the deaths, the temptations. Everything that mankind knows, Jesus has experienced. And because of that, he identifies with any and every situation that you can experience. He is an amazing companion for life. He is, if I could only have one companion, I love you, but I want Jesus. We are called to love Jesus wholeheartedly as he loved us. There is no one but Jesus who can offer such great hope and joy in the face of trials and such companionship in day-to-day living as Jesus. Jesus changes everything. And it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've not done. God loves you, and Jesus died for you so that you can have a new life in him. This morning, we talk about missionaries. Jesus is a missionary. He's called us to be missionaries too. Um, There's a few questions I want us to wrestle with. Oh, oops, we are about, there we go. I'm sorry, I'm one slide behind. Give you a moment there if you want to jot notes down. We are baptized because Jesus did it, because he tells us to do it, because we choose to identify with him, and we do it publicly because it encourages others, and it's a demonstration of our faith. I'll move ahead, and then if you guys need these, we can go back to them. Here's your community group questions. Find time to have coffee with someone. Talk about it over the dinner table. Meet in a small group, Bible study, Sunday mornings, whenever. Ask these questions of one another. Do you believe that Jesus can identify with you and your life? And I don't want you to give the Sunday school answer right away. Because the Sunday school answer is, yes, of course I believe that Jesus can identify with me and all of the things that I've done. But I want you to think about the things that you've done. And I want you to ask yourself the question, do I believe that Jesus identifies with me? That he relates to me, that he's experienced temptation where I've experienced temptation. And that despite all of my failures and flaws and inconsistencies, that Jesus chose to identify himself with me, and that if he were in the room right now with me, he would put his arm around me and say, I love this guy. I died for this guy. I identify with him. I'd walk anywhere and say, we're friends. We're brothers. 
Do you believe that he identifies with you in your life? And do you believe that he wants to play an active role in your life? No matter what your life looks like now, do you believe that he wants to play an active role in it? That he wants more of your life to look like his life? That he wants you and him to spend more time together? That he wants more talk, more prayer, um, more just time with him? Do you believe those things about your life with Jesus? Don't let someone just give you the Sunday school answer. Dig a little bit. Get to know the person you're asking the question of. Um, and, uh, and encourage one another in this. Because we believe as Christians that Jesus changed everything. And this morning, perhaps you've heard the word of God and you have recognized your need for a savior. I preach the gospel regularly every week because I know from experience that not everyone who sits in this room loves Jesus. And I don't care if you've been in this room for 50 years or 50 minutes, but I will always faithfully preach the gospel because I do not know who believes and who doesn't. And I want to give everybody the opportunity to love Jesus for the first time. And all it takes is a little look his direction that he will make your life new in a way you do not understand now, but that is glorious. So if this morning you've recognized your desire to want to identify with this God who said, I love you no matter what. That would be amazing for Jesus. If you have a desire to trust Jesus, even if you don't know how it will work, if you have a hope, no matter how small, that Jesus loves you and that he entered into this world to save you from your sin, if you want to, if you want to put your faith in Jesus for the first time this morning, we'll give you the opportunity. If you want to identify with Christ and follow him and learn about him and love him, um, give you the opportunity. If you want to be baptized today, you're a believer, you've not been baptized, maybe you're like, I want to be a believer and I want to be baptized, we can do that today because these are good things to do. Maybe you've already professed your faith in Christ, but you know that you're called to live a life that goes above and beyond what you are currently doing. Well, Jesus can provide you the ability to do that as well. Jesus can provide you the ability to Enter into those situations that you encounter in life when it's a little messy and you're not quite sure how it's going to work out. But he's calling you, drawing you to speak to someone, to call 911 and to be hands-on with someone. He give you the ability to do that. We might call that sanctification. If you already believe in Christ, but you know that he's calling you to go beyond what you're doing with your life for him, you can ask the Holy Spirit to give you a sanctifying filling. That basically means um, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in you in such a way that when you're faced with a situation in life and you can see the, the sin side and the God side, and before you would go, ah, sin. Because though you love Jesus, we still struggle. That moment of sanctification would say, no. Nope, God's going to set your heart apart and he's going to give you the clear ability to choose righteousness over sin more often than not then. Now, are you going to live a perfect life? Only Jesus lived a perfect life. But this sanctification enables you to live closer to the life of perfection than you have ever lived before and it is a beautiful thing. God will purify your heart for him and enable you to choose to live for him 
And in all of these things that I've talked about, whether you believe for the first time or want to be baptized or need sanctification, purified heart, he will renew you and grow you wherever you are. Wherever your walk is right now, wherever your life is, it can be more in Christ than it is currently. And that's the hope we have. There's constantly more to dig for, constantly more relationship with Jesus. And so if you long for more of Jesus in any way, shape, or form, Jesus wants to give you more of him this morning. And so I'm going to close in prayer. The team is going to come up, and we're going to sing songs here in just a moment. But if you want more of Jesus, rest assured he wants more of you this morning. Lord, um, we give you all the thanks and all the praise this morning. Um, we read the scriptures, and, um, and we, we hear about you, and we read about you, and sometimes we forget just how much you've done for us. Growing up in my parents' household, Father, you know that I, I didn't always understand how much they did for me as a kid. And now that I have a kid, I understand how much parents give for their children. And Lord, you're a good father. And I want, I want it to be said this morning how much you give to us, how much you love us. And when you came and you walked the face of this earth, you served us in a way that is deep and wide and immense. And so this morning, Father, as we've heard the word and we've read the word and we've sung some songs, Lord, I pray that your spirit has moved this morning in the hearts of the people. And if you're calling someone to faith this morning, Lord, I pray that you just tap them on the heart right now. And that you'd encourage them, whisper in their ear, I love you. I love you right where you are right now. Nothing changed. I love you. But I also love you too much to leave you where you are. And I want you to have more to life than you know right now. So I would say this, just between me and you and Jesus, with all the heads bowed, is there anyone in this room this morning that needs Christ for the first time? Wants to trust Jesus with their life? And is there anyone in this room right now that says, you know, I've been a believer, but... I haven't been baptized, and I want to be obedient. I want to put my trust in, in the public statement here. I want, to, I want to show everyone that I love Jesus. Is there any believer here this morning who says, I love Jesus, and I've been baptized, but I want more. I want more of what God can offer me, and I want to do more for him than I thought I could ever do. That's you. Just raise a little hand. Man, I see those hands. Lord, we're thankful that you're moving in the hearts of your people. We know you will. Your word doesn't return void. This morning, we're thankful for your baptism, Jesus. You didn't have sins to be forgiven of, but you said with your baptism, I willingly take on the sins of the world. And as I go from town to town, I will be in the lives of the people. I won't let sin get in the way of people coming to know who I am. You paved the way, Jesus, and we're thankful for that. And you demonstrated it in the way that you do as a servant. So Lord, as we close this time in the word and we start to sing a song, 
May these words be worshipful to you, Father, and may they encourage our hearts. May we too, Father, be servants as you were, as you are. You continue to serve us daily, Father, and we want to continue to serve you daily as well. We get to pray all of these prayers in the name of Jesus, our great King, the servant of God, and our Savior. Amen.